Whenever you walk into the room, that's what I think. I think here's a power player. I usually do like 30 or 40 push-ups outside of every meeting room I do. Like Nicolas Cage and Gone in 60 Seconds. Well, my anyway. household is, is like dance moms. Gold! Absolute gold! Hello and welcome to another potentially useful episode of the T-Caps Loop podcast. My name is Larry Burden and she's a legendary coach that won't lose her last game to their arch rival. It's Danielle Brostrom. And also joining us is the Sultan of Seesaw, the Scion of Spiceworks, the Pontiff of Power School, Evan Obranovic. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? (laughs) Doing doing okay. Before we begin our audience with such an esteemed guest, we must first choose to acknowledge the T-Caps Loop moment of Zen. Life is a web of intersections and choices. Your first choice is to recognize an intersection. Your second choice is to be grateful for it. That's by Ryan Lilly. So with that being said, I think we're kind of talking about choices and how our educators can make better choices in regards to the um, ed tech tools that they're choosing for their classroom. To be honest, this has always been, I think, to me, one of the hardest and most potentially frustrating things for our educators in the district and something that they can get wrong, which can really, I don't want to say waste, but really take a lot of their time unnecessarily. So, Evan, we have you on the pod to give give our uh, educators some advice on how to easy how to navigate this. Besides, just yeah. say call Danielle. Yeah, that's a good first step for sure. Is is to use the resources around. Um, it, it is interesting, and I think it's a, a super. It's difficult to process that at a I think at an educator level, especially because they have so many things going on, um, and it's it's. You know, they're juggling their life and then their students' lives and then trying to effectively deliver whatever the latest and greatest curriculum is, which all have their tools. And then you see, you know, the latest something come across on email or Twitter or whatever that sounds great. Um, and Danielle and David and I were talking about this just in, say, the application to our learning management system. You know, there there's very rarely the silver bullet. And so it always gets packaged as a silver bullet and I, and I can see where the appeal is because we all want it. And I think um, to start to, to hopefully frame yourself around the fact that this will likely not answer all of my questions. So you've really got to drill down to, you know, again, what are those critical core questions you're trying to get answered or solved, whether for your students or yourself, and then how could this tool potentially help that? Um, And then when you are a bigger district like us, you know, they usually have, which I think we do, an excellent and large, expansive tech department, and you've got to get them involved because we will certainly do our best to help you. We love cool, new, innovative things that make it easy, but we want to make sure that whatever it is gets implemented in a way that is smart, will work, and will not get you more frustrated when you hit a roadblock because you went rogue and just decided to do it, which I, I love the enthusiasm, but it's, it's just tough to support. And that's our job is to support. So, you know, those, that's kind of the high level I look at it as, and it's not always easy though, because you just want to grab it and go, but it just never quite works that way. Unfortunately. I think that's really, it is really hard for teachers. I mean, they've got so many things going on and there are thousands of products out there that are claiming to be 
the thing that's going to fix everything that is wrong in the classroom or everything that they struggle with in the classroom. So I think having to sift through all those promises that the companies will tell you, it requires a lot of a teacher and it's a lot to ask of anyone. So definitely bring us in on those discussions. You you don't need to be the IT expert. That's what you know, we're here to help you with. And you don't need to think about the legal stuff. Like that's what we're here to help you with. So bring in other people who understand those little pieces to help you make those decisions. This has been coming up a lot lately. I think in like the past two weeks, I've had multiple people say to me, I've got some classroom funds and I want to buy this. What do you think? Okay. What's your learning goal? (laughs) And how is this going to help you meet it? Do you have the time to implement this with some kind of integrity? And how does it fit in with everything else you're using? And then how are you going to evaluate it? How are you going to decide whether it makes a difference or not? And then pivot if it doesn't. Like there's a lot to think about when you're going to add something new to the classroom. One of my favorite things is to go to a, a website that's marketing one of these, you know, platforms or tools. And they show you, you know, on the website, they have the demo video that makes it look as if the setup takes five to seven minutes and it's completely intuitive and will obviously work seamlessly with the uh, the technology that you currently have. And I think I, I could be wrong, but I have a feeling you have a lot of educators spend hours setting something up without actually asking those questions beforehand and finding it's way more work than it's really worth for the students to use. Yeah. I think it's a question too sometimes of scalability and, and when you look at it on a individual level, it's much different than when you start to branch that out into a more enterprise level, which frankly, again, at, at a district like our size, that's that's typically where it has to go if it's going to be used and or supported with some type of fidelity. And that functionality doesn't always match what it takes for just one person to use it. And so having those that mindset or the questions, which again, goes back to, you know, talking to the people, your your ed tech coaches, your technicians about it. And, you know, we do a lot of work on trying to, when we present said information or try and relay the realities of the constraints within our own system um, to do that in a, in a kind, thoughtful and supportive way. But a lot of people often look at it as us just saying no, because we don't want to do one more thing. And I, I assure you that that is, is definitely not, this happens sometimes I'm sure, but we're always okay to do it. And a lot of times it's just the reality and, and what that would take again to kind of really do that in the way the demo video shows you is a lot more work and takes a lot more people and, and an expertise that often spans a couple of the tech department staff. Cause we have, we are compartmentalized in terms of we have, data specific people, our technicians, the network, um, and the systems engineers. So all of that together just doesn't always snap into place. And so we're always happy to look at it, but you know, you got to back the bus up, so to speak, and take a look at at how that's going to go. And I guess as a teacher, if you're, if you're asking for it and pushing for it to not, if you really think it's that great, you can't let that deter you. You got to use that as the fuel to figure out how to take the next step. So Evan, If I'm a teacher and I have 180 days with these friends sitting in front of me and I've got to have them make the goal, I've got to have them do this. I I don't have time to waste. Why wouldn't I just go rogue? Put it in, do it. Why? What are the benefits? 
is what I'm trying to lead you into talking about. Not that I'm yes. encouraging people to go rogue. But what the benefits what the, of going rogue? Is that what no, you're saying? No, what are the, <laughs> the benefits, benefits of going rogue? In? Right. You're looked as a rebel in the tech department or bringing in people that can help you implement, even though it might take longer. Uh, I think the biggest one is support. So, you know, inevitably, whether it is the greatest product in the world, and I think we have a couple of those that are really great that we've implemented that have been exciting to see, but something breaks. And so if it is the greatest thing in the world and it's doing everything you want, there will more than likely be one or more points where it's not going to work. There's something wrong and it's beyond maybe your level of understanding. You know, it's not your expertise. I don't expect it to be. And if you've gone rogue and then you ask, which this happens a lot, that's where I think, you know, it gets interpreted as say angry tech guy standard, but you're like, so uh, project X here isn't working. And we're kind of like, what is that? I, I have no idea what you're talking about. It's because, oh yeah, well, I just, I set that up and that, again, that's great. So if we know ahead of time, then when you ask me why Project X is working, I'm like, let's take a look here. I have the support contact, you know, it's on, we, we do our best to keep those comprehensive lists of what's all that's happening in the district. So we know what's going, you know, a lot of companies now are proactive in trying to let you know, Hey, this is down right now. You know, class thinks a good example. I think it's a great product and they still have issues or it will connect slowly or people can log in and we get emails and then I can forward those emails or let them know. And, or when the technician gets the call, why can't I log in? Oh yeah. We just were notified this morning. Class links having some issues. They're working on it. We'll let you know as soon as it's fixed. You know, you get an answer like that, as opposed to, like I said, the kind of, I, I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're, what you're speaking on. And with that, when I have no idea what you're speaking on, I don't know what my turnaround time will be to learn all about said product to then fix it for you. And I can tell you it won't be in the next 10 to 15 minutes, unfortunately. So the, the support is the biggest one. Um, if it does work seamlessly forever, good on you. We try and, you know, find that balance between what you can maybe reach out and try on your own a little bit if you're comfortable versus what you need to be kind of doing on a larger level. But then just the, I think the consistency of it. So if you're going rogue and then no one else in your grade level or your building's using it, it's not a great sample size to know if that's the right direction to go. And so you're going to find not just from the tech department, but roadblocks from the other side of just like, oh, you're doing that. Everyone else is going this direction and you're going left and left may be great. So if you had figured out a way or we can, you know, share this with everyone, then I think everyone might turn left with you. But right now you guys are literally going in opposite directions. And so you're, you're setting yourselves up for a little bit of an island situation that you don't want to be in. I think that's probably one of the biggest things besides the, the tech support. It's the community support. If you're going rogue and going solo, you lose the, the community support from your colleagues. The teacher across the hallway may be having the same problem with the same device and might have a solution. Yeah, I think there's, in a good way, the the new buzzword, or I feel like cohorting, right? We're all cohorting on things. And that's where we've seen a lot of success, like credit to Danielle and David, when they're creating these cohorts to help with our D2L implementation. And this is where we're seeing the most success, the most follow through, because there's a group surrounded by like-minded people in the same situation again, all going in the same direction. And in addition to being able to touch base, like we said, with a, an ed tech coach, they can talk to each other. And so many, you know, 
for every teacher who maybe is not at all tech inclined, there is at least one, if not more, who are very. So, you know, they can certainly support each other. And, you know, we're at this point, you have to build that capacity anyway. I don't even have a technician per building. That would be ideal. I wish I could have, you know, I mean, frankly, an ed tech coach per building would be incredible. I don't know very many places at all who have that, but I'm just saying more and more. So these are like these ideal scenarios that don't really exist, unfortunately, because of the constraints within our, our system. So you build that capacity within and, and to do it together helps do that as opposed to when you're rogue, you're building your own capacity and you have to, I guess, feel comfortable with that and knowing that you are putting yourself out there. And then you're going to have to kind of work through some struggles, like more than likely down the road. You know, it's good to have some some individuals in the district that are willing to push the envelope. I think that can help move the ball forward digitally as long as they're understanding that the level of support in regards to going rogue is going to be significantly less. And they're understanding as well that on the back end of things, there's a, a high level of complexity to get those things working appropriately with our, our network. And something that's you know near and dear to Danielle, making sure that it's legal. You know, student privacy is is a is a you know a real thing and you know not every new and great thing that they find online or on Twitter you know on Twitter is going to meet the standard of our needs as far as data privacy goes or student privacy goes. That's a huge one. And then it's certainly it's an easy in to to create some type of product that's going to skim a lot of information and make it seem great on the surface and not worry about those details. And for all of those companies, there's a lot that are trying their best and that we try and review a very transparent and clear privacy policy and kind of data collection policy that we want to make sure we hold to a certain standard so that, again, if if you're doing anything under our district or any district, you know, you're you're a representative of that entity, that organization. And so that's another, I guess, risk, so to speak, of going rogue and doing that without maybe some of that proper review, then you might have opened the door to something that's potentially, you know, hazardous in a in a data sense or or a cybersecurity sense. But it doesn't necessarily it's not like it's just gonna be that one individual. TCAP says been taken on that or whatever school you might be part of. It's like, oh, that was a bad choice. Like that, it turns out that product's not so legitimate. And that's, uh, we got to backtrack here a lot and make sure that we're covering, you know, because we want to be good stewards of our students' data and privacy. And so that's a huge one. So something else I've been thinking about lately, I've been recommending more tools that do multiple things, tools that you can use in different ways. Do you guys remember Alton Brown? Remember his cooking show? He was all like science based. It's fantastic. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Good eats. Yep. He used to really focus on like he didn't want any appliances in your kitchen that you couldn't use for more than one thing. And I feel like that's kind of where we are in ed tech. Like we have to look for things that can be used in different ways, like like a screencastifier where they can use in multiple subjects and multiple times throughout the day, or like like a seesaw or like a um, Flipgrid, just something that they can use more than just having a kid sit down on this one focused, I'm going to pick on math, this one focused math thing that they're just practicing factors. Multifunction apps. Sure. If you're 
focusing on learning something that only does one thing, it's probably not the best use of your time because how many times are you going to be able to use that? You're not getting your bang for your buck, mm-hmm. your research buck. So what are maybe the, the questions a educator should be asking themselves when they're looking at incorporating a new piece of technology? I want to know, as, as an educator, I want to know, what's your learning goal? I want to know how you're going to fit it in and how you're going to give it time in your day to make it worthwhile. How does it fit in with everything else you're using and like your overall, what does tech look like in your classroom? And then how are you going to plan to evaluate it? Evan, what do you look at with a more like district perspective? I mean, I think the same theme just on a larger scale. So does this potentially meet the the learning goals of the district, like what they're trying to deliver to the students? Um, can that be achievable? Is it scalable? There's always one for us, just again, on a larger scale. Can I branch this out if one fourth grade teacher uses it? Is it good for all fourth graders? Is it then good for all fourth and third graders? You know, where does that line get start to get drawn? Because um, again, then you're using it for more than just this kind of small subset. And time involved and just in terms of intuitiveness of of the product you know is it going to be something that takes a lot of training can I let it loose and and have a a decent chunk of the participants kind of figure it out you know that's a huge win that's that's good design um, which is a is a big thing and so if it's very clunky if I look at it and I'm turning my head I'm like this is maybe not great because if I'm trying to like bang away at, at something and not figure it out, then that's like, what's everyone else? And again, someone who's got a hundred other additional things going on that they're trying to manage as well as live people sitting in their rooms, staring at them being like, okay, wh- what are we doing next? You know, that's, that's a lot of pressure and, and you don't want to sit there and be like, Oh, I thought this was going to work like this. And when I click here, it doesn't do that at all. Right. You never want to, you don't want to be afraid of failure, right? We try and say that in tech because things break all the time. It's fine. And with tech, you can't necessarily break anything. It just doesn't work. But you don't want to keep setting yourself up to be in a position where you're not achieving anything because you're always troubleshooting. So you're finding a balance there. And whether you're on that individual level because you're looking at it. And then for me, it's always like, so when I try and think of all the people, where would that large group at? What's the bell curve look like for them? And is it at a point that I feel like is, you know, there's an acceptable margin or not, which is a moving target. I wish I had the right like point on the bell curve. I don't know. Where. We're not widgets. Neither yeah. the students nor the uh, the educators are, are widgets. So it is going to always be a moving target. Yeah. Now, Evan, I would also throw in that Sophie is going to come and hunt us down if we don't say there should be some kind of integration with rostering. So how kids are going to get in. And that transfer of information, right? Yeah. And for me, and it probably needs to be explicitly said, like you just mentioned, but that is included in that scalability because it's like rostering things manually, which just means you physically having to type in everyone's email or username is not practical on, I would argue, even when you get to grade level status, right? At one building. That's pretty arduous and time-consuming, let alone a district with nine, 10,000 kids. Manual rostering is a non-start. No offense. I'm just like, I, we don't have time for that. 
So those are all really important considerations, you know, or does the product work without rostering? You know, what kind of data is it collecting? So it's not easy and it does add more work. And and when you think of, again, you know, you go back to small versus large scale organizations, like it's a lot of people to potentially talk to committee groups, however, you know, that, you know, we start to organize that information. It can be frustrating. I mean, and that process always needs to be kind of refined and streamlined as well, but you've got to be, I guess, prepared for that. If you think it's really good, the juice is worth the squeeze, then you're going to have to probably work at it a lot. And it's not going to be a see it on Sunday, use it on Monday in any sort of meaningful scale. We can all go rogue and get something set up on a Monday, but you got to hopefully be then thinking big term, but then use the, the supports to help you with that. It shouldn't be all your job. That's where you can ask us. Here's a plug for using the hardware approval and software approval process that TCAPS has in place. You know, it's uh, probably seems a little arduous because we try and keep it on a consistent rotation. But every two weeks, every other week, we look at these lists, these requests that we uh, implore teachers and administrators to use when they have these new latest and greatest products. And we will try our best and it asks you those questions to look at all these things we're talking about. So that's for us, the process that we feel like is most effective. And we're trying to obviously evaluate that as well, because I'm sure there's tweaks to be made, but it has done a great job of keeping things pretty organized. And it allows us to then steer people to a place where they know it won't just kind of disappear into the ether. If you submit this here, we will get to it. And then we have our little acknowledgement, though, that it's probably not going to be as quickly as you'd hoped. And that's not, again, to just be irritating. It's because we're trying, you know, there's, what, five, minimum five people, I think, on each of those committees that are doing the review and each taking a different part. So we're really trying to do our due diligence and help, you know, make it something that, again, if if you love it and then we can kind of go through it and, and put it through its paces, then it could, we can show you the, the real path to implementation. This will work. We can do this. Here's how it's going to happen. I think we've had a lot of success with it. Um, and so we keep kind of just pushing people towards using it. So it's been a good thing. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed the fact that the people around me within that committee have, have supported it. And so we just kind of keep it moving. So I think everyone needs something like that. There's definitely more meat on this bone. I have like four or five more questions, but we're 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 at that point in the podcast where it's probably time to wrap it up. Do you have any other questions you wanted to ask, Danielle or Evan? Do you have anything else you want to share on the topic? I hit all these key points. I feel very accomplished for a Friday. All right. Do we have a tech tool of the week? Yeah, I have a tech tool of the week. Um, I've been loving greatlakesnow.org. Um, it is our regional news and information hub about how we enjoy, study, work on, and experience the Great Lakes. There's some lessons on here. There are some quizzes. There are some documentary level things. But actually in the education section, there are four different collections. And the first collection that I found was collection four lesson plans from our monthly PBS program. So every month they're doing these little videos and lessons that you can use. Frankly, just looking at these videos, one was on ice boating and one is on um, lighthouses in the Great Lakes and pollution-free shipping and the power of perspective with different politicians who 
have different ideas about how to protect our region's water. Like, frankly, as an upper L teacher or anytime in secondary, if I've got a small chunk of time, this would be a great thing to put on and have my kids discuss and talk about how this relates to our life here. So um, greatlakesnow.org is a, an incredible resource for educators. The ice boating one, really cool. Awesome. All right. In closing, you can find us on Twitter at TCAPSloop. At BrostromDA. At Evan Obranovic. Awesome. Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, TuneIn, Pocketcast, Downcast, Overcast, or wherever else you get your ear candy. Thanks for listening and inspiring. Pop it right in. Yeah. I'm waiting. <laughs>